Well, good morning, everybody. That was nice. That's nice. Uh, hey, my name is Taylor Wade. I'm the student pastor here. And this morning, I want to start out um, by saying thank you. I want to start out thanking everyone who has served or is serving in our military, um, who, who is given um, their lives to protect us, to protect our country, to pr protect our freedoms, our beliefs, um, the efforts and the sacrifices of these men and women and, and their families is incredible and should not go unnoticed. And um, especially today and after this weekend, uh, we have the chance to remember about these things and the freedoms that, that we do have. Um, and, and these things deserve to be noticed and these people need to, deserve to be thanked um, every single day, not just once a year, not just a few times a month. Um, so thank you. To, to all of you who have served, who are serving, um, thank you for that. And for the rest of us, let's try and make it a point to when, not just once a year, but when we see these people who we know have served in our military, who are serving, that we say thank you. And we, are, we show them that we are grateful um, for what they have done or they are doing, um, because man, it is a, um, a blessing that we get to live in the country that we get to live in, and we have the people who are fighting for that for us. Um, and so just be, re be reminded of that. Um, but this morning, I'm super excited. I'm super pumped to be up here today. Um, I'm excited that um, and thankful that Blake has given me the opportunity. I'm also thankful that he didn't give me passage on circumcision, so that's good. Um, I'm not Stephen, and so th I'm thankful for that as well. Um, but this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. We're going to take a little week break from Hebrews that Blake is in. He'll be back in there next week, but Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Um, and we're going to be asking this question, who is the neighbor? Right? Who is the neighbor? And so um, let me start out this morning with a, with a little story. So imagine me, Taylor, in middle school, right? Middle school me playing basketball. You know, I was the best on every team. No, I wasn't. Um, I can't even try and joke. Um, but so I'm playing middle school, middle school basketball, seventh grade. There's four teams at my school, um, and we're having this practice. It's game day. All of our coaches have to be at some meeting they said they had. And so myself and a few other guys, we were running practice, but it was really just shoot around. So we we're trying to get up shots, get ready for the game that night, running through some of our plays, all that kind of stuff. And so we're doing this and I have a friend of mine who I have a ball, right? And so I'm getting my shots up. I'm over here, I'm knocking down everything, um, every seventh shot, um, but I'm, I'm hitting them down and I feel good and I'm getting ready. And my friend starts yelling at me, hey, Taylor, ball, Taylor, ball, let me, let me have the ball. I'm like, no, like I, I'm using, don't you see that I'm shooting with this right now? Like I'm using it and he keeps yelling at me, keeps yelling at me. And finally I get frustrated, right? And so I take this ball in my little seventh grade hands um, and curl it in my arm right here. And the next time he yells at me for it, I turn and I rip this thing as hard as I can in the direction that I think he is, okay? And so I, I just let go of it. And what I didn't know is at that same time I threw the ball someone else threw him a ball, right? And so these balls get there at the same time and one basketball hits the other one and just pops him straight in the nose. So his nose starts bleeding, he's mad, all that kind of stuff. We weren't friends after that day, honestly. Um, it was bad. But I, I didn't throw him the ball because I was being selfish, right? I wanted to use this. It was, it was my basketball, I was using it, I needed to get my shots in, and part of me thought to myself, I'm better than he is anyways, so I need to be ready for tonight. 
He doesn't need to be ready. I need to be ready. If I give him the ball, then it affects me. If I give him the ball, it affects my game. If I give him the ball, I won't play as well tonight because I didn't get my shots up this, this morning. I was worried about how it was going to affect me. right? And, and too often, that seems to be my gut response to things. How is this going to affect me? We might not say it out loud, but many of us think it. Right? Many of us think it in situations we think our life is the most important. We're more important than anyone else. How does this impact me, my future, my security? That, that's what we go to. But today I want us to see that in Jesus, there's a different view of what is important. There's a different view of what is important in Jesus than in our human minds. And so let's hop into Scripture, um, Luke, Luke, 20, Luke 10, starting in verse 25, the story of the Good Samaritan today, 25 through 37. And we're going to read through this, and we're going to break it up. We're going to break it down a little bit. And so um, let, let's begin in verse 25. It says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So pause right there real quick. So a lawyer, or as some translations have it, an expert in the law 2,000 years ago was not necessarily a lawyer as we think, like what we would call a lawyer. This, this expert in the law was someone with religious authority, someone who knew Scripture, right? someone who, who was supposed to know what the Bible says, knows um, these things. And so they're an expert in Scripture. They have religious authority. And, and so he, um, he, Jesus is here. And this guy asks this, right? And so Jesus now does what he often did in their, these scenarios, and he throws it back. He throws it right back at this guy. He throws this question to him, and this is what he says in 26 and 27. Jesus says, and he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, so the man, the expert answers, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So this is what the expert says. This is what this guy, he responds with this. And when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, he is quoting Leviticus 19, 18. He's quoting um, other places in, in the Old Testament. He's quoting this commandment that we have, right? To love your neighbor as yourself. And this is a law they had, but there's something that we need to kind of hear and, and figure out about this word neighbor that we might not realize at first glance. You see, religious leaders of this day ha had made this commandment to be inwardly focused. They made it to be inwardly, inwardly focused, a command to love their Jewish neighbors only, right? A command to love the people that were like them, that believed the same, that thought, that thought the same. But what this meant is that most of the known population of the world would have fallen outside of those parameters because they weren't like them. They didn't believe the same. They didn't look like them. You see, the Greek word for neighbor here is defined as more than just a person who lives nearby. It was a broader word than that. And so when this expert says neighbor, he knows, like, we know that he knows that his responsibility is bigger than just loving the people that live nearby or loving the people that believe the same. Like, he gets it because he, he knows. He's an expert in the law. He knows what this word means. And we also know that from the beginning of time, God has made it clear that his intent was to bless the world. Right? He wants everyone to know him, not just a certain group of people. He didn't just pick the Jews, right? In that moment, he wants everyone to know him. 
You see, and then Jesus answers in a fascinating way in verse 28. He says this. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now, side note, this is not teaching that we earn salvation by loving our neighbor. That's not what this is saying. And loving our neighbor, meaning everyone, what he's emphasizing here is that loving our neighbor is a symptom of loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's kind of like this. You don't, you don't go buy Cowboys gear to be a Cowboys fan, right? You, it, it's a symptom of your love for America's team, right? You see, you, you don't go to a Beyonce concert to become a Queen Bee fan. You go because it's a symptom of your love for her music. I don't go to the lake to hopefully one day love water, right? We do things like this because it's a natural result of a love that's already present, right? We, we, we love others because we love God. Because God loves us and has asked us to love others, we love. So right here, after verse 28, 28 could and should be the end of this, right? I think this, it should be the end right here. If we could accept these verses, if we could accept what Jesus says, if we could love God with all our heart, strength, soul, mind, if we could love everyone as ourselves, if we would choose to love in any circumstance, if we would love like Jesus loved, we would be good. Right? Jesus says, do this and you will live. But in verse 29, that, that we see that that wasn't enough for this guy. Right? He has to go another step trying to justify who. And so verse 29, Luke 10, 29, it says this. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Y'all, wrap your head around this real quick. This is a guy who knows what this word neighbor means. He knows it's broader than just his group. But deep down, he knows that his definition of neighbor was not big enough, but he's looking for an easier way. He's looking for an easier way to do things, to live life. What really I think that he's saying is he's saying, so exactly who do I need to love? Where is the line drawn? Who are the non-neighbors? Who can I not treat as well? Who can I not waste my time with? That's essentially what he's saying here. And at that point, Jesus tells this parable to make his point. And before we hop into these next verses and we read through this parable... We, we have to understand something, is that this parable and, and this, what's happening, what Jesus does here and, and what's going on, this is incredibly politically, racially, and religiously charged. Jesus is pushing all the buttons here, right? He, he's pushing all the buttons, not just one, but all of them. Y'all, this is the same Jesus that called, called the, the judgmental religious hypocrites names, and, and he flipped tables in the temple. It's the same guy, and so this is, so hold on tight, because this is where it gets intense, right here. This is where Jesus goes off, essentially. It says this, starting in verse 30, Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. 
He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. You see this? This this is wild here. Verse 30, like there's a bunch packed in here. Verse 30 mentions these robbers that attacked this man. We live in a sinful world full of robbers, whether it's people or things that are trying to steal our joy, our hope, our peace, our comfort, our love, our self-worth, and much more. We live in this sinful world where people will be hurt, where people will be put down by people trying to build themselves up. People will be made to feel less than because of sin, because of our sinful tendencies to not treat others equally. And because those who don't know Jesus don't know this true love of him. They don't know who Jesus is or what his love looks like. And these people who don't know him, they also don't know their worth because they don't know who holds their future. They don't know what their true purpose is. And we as Christians should be loving them so that they might come to know Jesus so that then they might be able to see where their worth lies, what their purpose is, and who loves them more than they could ever imagine. I think it's important for us to notice right here that in these verses, it does not mention that the man who was beaten, it doesn't mention who this man is or where he's from. It doesn't mention who this guy is. We get a list of the other guys, right? We know that there's a priest, a Levite, a Samaritan that that walk by and and come to him. But not the man who was beaten. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Because it, it doesn't matter who he is or where he's from or what he looks like. What matters is that there was a human being created by God and for God who needed help and who needed to be loved on. There's a man who was desperate. See, the people who passed by, they were religious leaders. Right? They were religious leaders. They, they knew the law. They knew their responsibility to help others. These people who passed by are you and me. These people who pass by are people who claim to know Jesus and love Jesus, but sometimes don't show it. Right? Let's think about this. Sometimes, like for me, I know this, sometimes we, we don't put God first. Sometimes we won't do things for others because of how it might affect us. Sometimes we're too worried about our image to stop and see if we're treating others the way God wants us to. Sometimes we just don't care. Sometimes we're too busy. Sometimes we just don't care how we're treating others because we're good. right? Like our life is going good. Things are well for me, so I don't care. Then we look back at verse 33. It says, but a Samaritan. Now, this is a big but, y'all. This is a big one. This is right here. It shows that the next person is the hero in the story. And to the Jews, Samaritans were half-breeds. They were traitors. They were religiously offensive. When Jews would travel, they would rather take the long route, the extremely long route, than walk through a place where they had to touch Samaritan dirt and breathe Samaritan air. They would rather walk around it. Y'all, right here, it's political, it's racist, it's religious. The Samaritans checked all the non-neighbor boxes for the Jews. And the Samaritan is the last person that a Jew, like this man that Jesus is telling the parable to, would want to be the hero. 
But Jesus does it on purpose, right? He chooses the Samaritan. He says this, and then the Samaritan takes care of the man. Right? He gets him to a safe place, and, and that's great. We all think, okay, good. Like, this is a good story. This is awesome. The guy is hurt. This guy comes along. He picks him up. He helps him out, and he takes him, and he gets him to where he can be healed. Right? Let's say he gets him to a hospital. For, in our day, he gets him to a hospital where he can be taken care of. For many of us, this is like, okay, that's good. He did good. He, he did enough. He helped him out. He loved on him. He got him out of his, his current trouble. Right? That's good enough, isn't it? That's good enough for us to help somebody and get them out of their current trouble. Let's see what verse 35 says. It says, In the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will, I will repay you when I come back. Y'all, we have to realize that, that it's not about doing whatever we think is enough. What our human minds think is enough. It's not about that because enough in our minds is the beginning in God's. We have to realize that our minds are not the same. Like our view of people is not the same as his. He would tell us to do much more. The Samaritan goes way beyond the minimum here. Right? He risks his own safety. He, he risks becoming religiously unclean by touching this man that's bleeding. He, he risks taking tremendous financial sacrifice when he commits to reimbursing the innkeeper for whatever else he has to spend. He literally does everything that he could for this stranger. And then he promised more if needed. He does everything he can in that moment. And then he promises more if needed. You see, the Samaritan goes the extra mile here. He does something that he didn't have to do. In Matthew 5, 41, it says, If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And this is, again, Jesus talking and saying, at this point, soldiers could point at anyone and say, Hey, you carry my luggage a mile. Like, you carry it, and anyone would have to do it. Even if they were walking this way, soldiers going this way, they'd have to turn. They had to do it, right? And Jesus says, Okay, he asks you to go one mile. Go with him two miles. Go the extra mile. Do something you don't have to do. The Samaritan says, whatever this man needs, I will take care of. Because this guy was in trouble and he needed someone, anyone, to lift him up. He needed someone to show him that he was cared for. Y'all, we all have people in our lives that need to know that they are cared for. That need to know we care about them. We all have people that we are overlooking who need to see Christ's love through us. Verses 36 and 37. It says this, Which of these three, this is Jesus, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So at the beginning of this, this man wants to know, Who is my neighbor? Right? Who is my neighbor? He's trying to get Jesus to tell him who was worthy of his time and of his love. But Jesus throws it back. He throws it back saying that we should be asking, who is the neighbor? Right? Who is the neighbor? And we are. Right? Jesus asked this man, he asked who was a neighbor. The man says, the one who showed him mercy. Right? And Jesus says, go and do likewise. He tells him to go and be the neighbor. Go love anyone. Go care for all those you encounter. He's telling us to go and be the neighbor and to stop waiting for people who are easy to love. We are the neighbor to anyone we encounter. 
You see, our natural tendency is to get our own. Right? Our human flesh is to get our own, to look out for ourselves, to do what I did in middle school basketball practice. Right? To do what I still struggle with and do today, we think, how does this affect me? How, how does this change my future, my security? We think that we are the most important. Let me burst the bubble today. All of our bubbles. You are not the most important. The, the person that, that you don't agree with is not the most important either. But Jesus is. Jesus is the most important. God is the most important. And what he has called us to do is love as Jesus loved. Because in Jesus, there's a different view of what is important. So he calls us to go and do likewise. So what does neighboring look like? Neighboring looks like loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Right? And when we do that, when we love him with everything we have, that love naturally flows out of us into others. So what does loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind mean? Well, it looks like loving others the way that Christ loved them. It's not an either-or thing here. It's a both-and. See, if you're not neighboring well, how can you be loving God well? The two are vitally linked. Jesus says in Matthew 22, in Mark 12, in, in, in the Old Testament, when we get the Ten Commandments, he, he says, for instance, Matthew 22, 36 through 39, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, Jesus says, You shall love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, we're in a time with COVID, with racial, injustice, with racial injustice issues, where we need to be the neighbor. A time when everyone wants to share their opinion, but a time where your opinion is not what is needed. What is needed is the truth of the gospel. What is needed is the love of Jesus. People need to hear, maybe, maybe you need to tell someone. Or maybe you need to hear that the truth that you are loved. Even in your sin, even in your darkness, even in the times you turn from God, He still loves you. And God is waiting with open arms to care for you. And just as the Samaritan did, we are called to love, to care for others. It doesn't matter who the person is, where they're from, what they believe, what they look like, or what they do. We're here to show them that they are cared for. That they can have a relationship with a loving father. And then, when we show them that, hopefully they accept Jesus, they see him, and then the Holy Spirit does the convicting, and he performs the heart change, not you and me. Why, why is this so important? Especially for us today, well, I'll tell you exactly what I told our students a few weeks ago, what we talked about. Because God is not a God of favorites. See, God loves all and wants to have a relationship with you, no matter what your skin color is, no matter what, what, what your financial status is. He just wants you. Everyone in here, everyone watching online, he just wants you. And he wants the person that you don't agree with. 
He wants the, persons that, the person that feels like they're treated as less than. He wants the person that's struggling with their sexuality. He wants the person who's struggling with their own self-worth. I could do this all day talking about who God wants because he wants everyone. Because he created us. And he's blessed us, those who know him, he's blessed us with the opportunity to share him with people. See, some of us treat um, loving others and, and sharing the gospel like a chore, right? We treat it like picking up dog poop. You see, we, we really don't want to, but we know that we have to clean it up before people come over, before people see it. See, loving people and sharing the gospel is not a chore. It is a gift, and it's something that we have been blessed with. We've been blessed with the chances to do it. See, we are to know him and to make him known. We don't love certain people and not others. We love because God loved. We love all people because they were created by God and for God. It does not matter if they're black, brown, white, green, blue, yellow, a cop, a CEO, a mechanic, or unemployed. We love because that is what God asks of us. And love means that we care for others. We support others. We walk alongside them when they are hurting. We share life with them. We live life with them. Love does not mean that we make fun of others. We, we don't put others down. We don't tell them that they are worthless. We don't talk about them behind their back. See, if you are truly a follower of Christ, then you believe in Jesus and you believe that he will, returning. he will be returning. You believe that when he does, there's going to be heaven and there's going to be hell. That there's going to be eternity with God and eternity separated from Him. So we love because we want all people to experience the joy that will be heaven. You see, Jesus loved the sinner. He healed the blind. He, he, he hung out at the tax collector's house. He spent time with those who, viewed, who were viewed as less than. He also hung out with the people who were like him, who, who believed the same, who were w walking and running that same race. Jesus loved all, even those who tried to kill him, who, who, who beat him, who put him in jail, who tried to make others not believe in him. And you guys, for me, I truly believe that for us today, the fix to all of our issues in society that separate people, that pin people against each other, that make people stand on opposite teams boils down to a heart issue, boils down to a sin issue. And they are issues that can only be fixed by the love of Jesus being spread. And the fix to them begins with you. If not us, then who? If not us, if, if not believers in Jesus Christ, then who is going to spread his love? Who's going to make him known? It begins each, inside each one of us. The change begins with you and your relationship with God. It begins with us choosing Jesus daily. Choosing that we are going to treat everyone equally. When I say everyone, I mean everyone who doesn't look the same as you. I mean anyone who doesn't think the same. Anyone you don't agree with. Everyone. And let me tell you something. It is possible, whether you believe it or not, it is possible to disagree with someone and still love them. 
Right? You can disagree with someone without making them feel less than or, or like they don't matter. You can disagree while still treating people like you're equal. Love doesn't stop you from having your own opinions, but the true love of Jesus keeps us from tearing others down while being true to what we believe. So wherever you fall on, on all the racial issues, or whether you believe in COVID or not, any other issues that you're debating with people or that you have with people, we as believers are told to love through it. Because no one deserves to be treated like dirt. And no one deserves to be treated like they're a bad person just because they are, they're, they're, they are a certain color or, or they have a certain job. No one des deserves to feel ashamed for voicing their own opinion. Jesus is our example, so let's love like he did. We love them, and then we let Jesus work in them. Because God is love. Love casts out all fear. So be different. Be different and love even when it's hard because none of us are going to be good at everything in our life, right? None of us are going to be good at everything, but all of us in life will be really good at a few different things. Y'all, as believers, as Christians, as Christ followers, we have to decide that one of those things is going to be what, what Jesus says is most important. And we are going to love God and we are going to love others. See, God knows you. He created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And the good news this morning is that God wants you and he wants to walk in relationship with you. This is why we love others. Because we are loved. And today, after this 4th of July weekend, we get to see that we have this freedom. Right? We live in a country where we have these freedoms. No matter who you are, you have these. And, but more importantly, we are free in Christ. We've been freed from our sin. When we turn to him and we put our faith in him, we've been freed from our sin. We know his love and we will get to experience eternity with him in heaven. So why would we not love others so that they might see that same thing? It's your choice of what you're going to be known for. So let's be known for people who neighbor well. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. God, we thank you for trusting us to share your love, for leading us, for guiding us. Lord, I pray that as we continue in our life, we would see you, we would choose you, that we would be reminded that we are no better than anyone else, because you love us all the same. Lord, I pray that we would love, love others the same, and Lord, that you would be at the center of that, we would put you first, and you would guide us every day. It's in your name I pray, amen.